and welcome to Law Pod. I am Lee Hedgepantelis, the principal of Bryden's Lawyers, and today we have a very special guest, a young man whom we haven't seen a lot of lately, unfortunately, but I'm sure we will shortly. If you could welcome to Law Pod, Adam Dewey. Thanks for having me, Lee. I know it's my pleasure, Adam. Now, formalities. Firstly, the correct pronunciation of your surname. Let's get it right once and for all. No, it's Dewey. We, we stick with Dewey in Australia. Back in back in Lebanon, people say Dewey here, but yeah, we stick to Dewey here. You know, it's funny. I said recently about the pronunciation of certain surnames, for example, of Polynesian or Lebanese descent, whatever it might be, and, and whether the requirement is to pronounce it as it would be in the native tongue or as you speak in English. And I know there's been a lot of controversy. Now, my surname, of course, is Hadjipantelis, and I'm more than happy with people calling me Hadjipantelis because I don't insist on people using the Greek of Hajibandilis. I mean, like I say, well, that's how you could you know, call me from now on because yeah. that's the Greek pronunciation of it. So I think if we're speaking English, we, we use an English interpretation. Yeah, and if exactly. you're speaking uh, something else, you can do you know, another language, for example, you can utilise the, the mother tongue. All right, so we'll stick with Adam Dewey. Secondly, the knee. How is it? Yeah, it's going really good, to be honest. Um, about eight months post-operation now and um, I've had you know literally zero hiccups um, with my recovery process and the past few weeks I've started to pick up some more you know conditioning running and started a small uh, contact block which my body's sort of adapting to again and getting used to and yeah, as I said I'm, I'm doing sort of 95% of the stuff I'm the sort of only thing I'm not doing at the moment is just um, defending players in front of me or doing anything with people in front of me everything's still on my own at the moment so I'll start to sort of throw that in the next few weeks or so and be back playing and you know the next two to three months I hope. All right well in terms of your return, we're hearing a lot of different numbers so far as the round for your return. Anything from round 12 to round 20, what are you hoping for? Uh, round 14 is in my head. That'll take me to the 10-month mark and um, that'll be more than safe for me to you know, be back playing. It, it is my second one, so that's why it is taking so long this time. But yeah, in my head, I've got round 14. I haven't really told anyone or put a date on it, a, a firm date on it, but uh, maybe back in my head, I've got, I've got that round in my mind. Fair enough. Now, you posted recently on social media, and I'm not sure if I follow you or whether it was shown to me, but you were kicking a ball, I think taking a conversion te- attempt or something. Now, I'm assuming that was with doctor's approval? No, not really, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> just on my head. I get, I get a bit okay. bored of doing the same running blocks and stuff, so I just grabbed the ball, grabbed well, the tee and started kicking. Well, I should tell you, in fact, it was raised at the recent board meeting. Someone, <laughs> someone showed the photo, and Tim Sheens was there and says, well, I hope that was with doctor's <laughs> approval, he says, because yeah, you're putting pre- – it's your left knee, isn't it? Yeah. He says, and when you're kicking with the right, of course, you're planting your left knee. He goes, mate, he's putting pressure on that yeah. left knee. I've got approval now, but they've given me approval oh, to start kicking, so, okay, well, so just, we're safe. Just post-date the photo or something, whatever, <laughs> and, you, and you'll be fine. All right, look, we're recording this today, the 12th of April. Uh, it's two days after the uh, the loss on the weekend against Cronulla. No, no, we're zero and five. I'm not going to talk to you in any depth about the, the year and you know what's gone wrong or whatever the case might be. I'm just more interested in the boys. Uh, how is the playing group? How how is morale? How how are the boys feeling? Yeah, it's it's probably obvious to say confidence is down. Um, you wouldn't expect you wouldn't expect confidence to be up after the the start we've had to the season. And yeah, going off the weekend's performance, yeah, another disappointing day out. Not, you know, full credit to Sharks. They're they're a top top team this year and made some good signings and recruitment. But they're definitely not that much of a better team than us. And uh, we know that. That's what's frustrating um, for me to watch on the sideline. And because I just know how much the boys put in during the week. And you know, we're training hard. Our stats at training are the best it's ever been at this club. And um, yeah, to see the results not go our way on the weekend, and yeah, it's, it's disappointing. And yeah, morale's probably down at the moment, and confidence is down. But 
um, yeah, we've got to stick solid, stick together and um, keep finding a way to put ourselves in, in a position to win some games. Okay. Did you see the interview with Joe Offengawi after the no, game? I didn't watch it. Okay, we've, we've posted it, the, the club's posted it on the, on the website. It's a very honest appraisal of where the club's at. He said that the boys are putting in each and every week at training. It's just not translating onto the field. Mm. We have to be better. And I think that's the mystery that needs to be solved. And, you know, that, that's up to Michael, of course, and, and, and Tim with the assistant coaches and all the support of the club is to find the key to unlocking the potential in this playing group. And so what they're doing off the paddock in the training field translates onto the field because it's just not happening at the moment. And as you say, it's all about confidence. And, mm. and I'm a firm believer that we are a club based on confidence. If, if we start a match well and kick off to a good start, I think it, it feeds through. On the other hand, if we don't start well, I think there is a, a tendency sometimes just to drop your heads. So confidence is an incredibly important thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. As I said, you know, once you're winning games, you can see like teams like Penrith and that they just they just know they're going to win the games before they even go into it because they've just won so many times and, and know their stuff works. And uh, we've had new assistant coaches in this year and um, new principals in defence and attack. And it's, it's truly hard for the boys to really believe it if, if it's not working on the field when, we, when we're going out there. So we've got to keep practising at it, um, keep doing it. And, um, they know it works and, and we've got to know it works and just stick to the process for, for the full 80 minutes. OK. Well, look, as I say, it's an interesting dilemma. Hopefully the boys can turn the corner because they deserve success. Yeah, they, exactly. They've worked so hard and they deserve some level of success, I would have thought. All right, now back to you. Lebanese descent, rugby league, traditionally not the sort of game that those of Lebanese descent would go into, but yeah. there have been some great Lebanese players, of course, over the years. El Masri, of course, Robbie and others. When did you start playing, firstly? When I was a young kid. Um, I played all sports when I was a kid. I played soccer, cricket, uh, rugby league, rugby union, um, touch footy. So I was always a sporty kid. I come from a pretty sporty family. You know, My parents are big rugby league supporters and everyone around me supports rugby league and in all different sports so it's on 24-7 in our house but yeah as I said just fell into it as a kid and yeah sort of was a pretty good player coming through and uh, had a lot of enjoyment for, for all different types of sports and back in my school days I was playing rugby union on Saturday and, and soccer on Sun and rugby league on Sundays and yeah I've just always always loved the sport and had a passion for it. Any hesitation on your mother's part in going to like what is a really physically demanding sport? Yeah she's yeah not the best watcher um yeah, she does get frustrated and yeah, is always worried about me if I get injured or, or stuff. And yeah, she's pretty emotional. So um, yeah, I'll try and stay away from her from, yeah, as well, much as possible. I, I can identify with that because <laughs> I'm of obviously of ethnic descent and I was also an elite athlete growing up and, and my parents were very concerned about me going into rugby league. But I played yeah. a bit of union at school, which I really enjoyed, but I played soccer for many years yeah. outside of school. And of course, because it was a physical contact that my yeah. parents, especially my mother, was very worried about. Yeah. All right. Now, as I say, of Lebanese descent, of course, which leads us in, we can just leapfrog forward many, many years to the 2017 World Cup representing Lebanon. How, did, how was that? Yeah, great experience. Um, I was still a young you know, alien at the time, and I, I came into the camp playing with players like, you know, Robbie Farah, Tim Manor, Mitch Moses, players, you know, I've sort of looked up to being of Lebanese heritage, and they're probably, you know, some of the best um, in their positions in the sport. So, yeah, to, to play in the World Cup, and I'd never really played a different position going into that World Cup, and uh, Freddie Fittler was our coach at the time, and threw me in at centre, which looking back now, I'm, I'm very thankful for. And we got to line up against players like Tom Trevojevic and versus England and, and Tonga. And um, yeah, it was a big wake-up call for me. And I probably set up my, my career, that, that World Cup campaign. Um, I, I played centre, as I said. And the following year, Anthony Seabold was our coach for, for South Sydney Rabbitohs and sort of saw me as that versatile player and gave me my debut. And yeah, just, just got to you know, sit back on the bench and come on at a diff few different positions. And, you know, start started to line up with Sam Burgess and Greg Inglis and, and John Sutton and sort of learn off players like them and yeah, as I said I'm very thankful to, 
to Freddie for what he did for me in that Lebanon World Cup because it mm. you know, set me up for my debut the following year. Well, you spoke of Robbie Farrer and Timmy Manor. I know the boys pretty well. I, I love their passion for their heritage. I, you know, I'm Australian-born and Australian, of course, and very, very proud of that. But I, I'm of Greek descent, which I love as well, and I love the passion. And in fact, I've already been sounded out about sponsoring the Greek national team, which I'm considering at the moment, which would be just hilarious, wouldn't it? Because <laughs> not only do I get my name on the front of a Greek national jumper at the World Cup, but I think I get a trip to England out of it. Yeah. So you'd, you'd be looking forward to this year. Yeah, it'll be a sick trip end of the year. I'm um, going to England. It's yeah, it's a big thing, and I mean another four years. It's in France as well, so. Two big tournaments coming up, and yep. yeah, I'm looking forward to England end of this year. Uh, have you seen a, uh, an itinerary as yet, or an agenda for the end of the year? Will there, will there be tri- trips over? Like, I mean, you'll be going to England, of course. We'll be popping over to, with any warm-up games in, in France or anything. Yeah, or? Well, we've spoken uh, just briefly because it was originally meant to be last year, the World Cup. So um, I, don't, I don't think they've locked in anything at the moment. But we're, we're, us Lebanon team, we've spoken about either going to Lebanon or having a warm-up game in, in France or somewhere before it. So. Um, yeah, it'll be great to if we can get to Lebanon and, and play a game there. We're you know pretty awesome, but um, yeah, to go to England will be a, a mad trip. Well, I, I really like also the fact that any um, international team has to have a certain number of domestic players. Mm. So you can draw from the Australian Rugby League those of Lebanese descent, but you've got to draw from the the Rugby League competition in Lebanon as well. And I'm not exactly sure what the number it might be about eight or something, whatever it is. The Greek team the same. They've got to draw from the Greek yeah. domestic competition, which I think is great in terms of promoting the sport. So if you go to Lebanon and play, of course, it'd be interesting. Mm. What's your Lebanese like? Do you speak Arabic? I started to do some lessons this year, but it's yeah, it's so hard to learn. I, I do understand a, a little bit. My parents speak fluently, but yeah, we speak Australian English at home, so um, I'd, I'd love to learn it one day fully, and yeah, I'd, I'd love, I'd love well, to learn it. Well, let me encourage you and tell you that you should, yeah. uh, because when you go over there, that if you can speak the language, you'll enjoy the experience yeah, much, much more. I speak Greek fairly well, and so when I travel over there, I really feel enmeshed into the culture and the people, so it's something that you'll enjoy, mm. so it's something that you should you should pursue. Uh, does Robbie speak Arabic? Or is I he, don't think so. No, he just yeah. he just yells loudly, and people think that he can actually <laughs> speak, and I, I, I know what you mean. Look, it'll be a great tournament, there's no doubt about it. You mentioned South, of course, but before we get to South, who was your junior club? Uh, so I came through the Balmain Juniors, uh, I played for Dundas Shamrocks and Stratford Raiders in, in the Balmain comp, and yeah, came through the Howard Mats um, and SG Ball teams and then yeah it wasn't really seen as one of the standout players I mean them teams we had you know Ryan Pappenhausen and, and Moses Sully are sort of the two standouts in my, my age group and yeah not, but I was told you know sort of I wasn't main, the main player there and South had an eye on me and Madge was the coach of South back then and um, got me over there and yeah, made my debut there, and yeah, a few years later, I'm, I'm back at Tigers. Well, don't ever be discouraged, and no one should ever be discouraged, because I'll tell you a very quick story, that when the Beatles were looking for a recording contract, they got knocked back by about 12 recording companies there before they signed, and they kind of kicked on and did pretty well for themselves, <laughs> so I wouldn't be worried about any of that sort of stuff. In fact, Fred Astaire, I think, got knocked back for his first Hollywood contract, was told that he could dance a little, but he wasn't a very good actor. Look where Fred Astaire ended up, so Crazy. do not do not be uh, concerned by any of that. All right, so how did you end up at South? Who reached out? to you how did it come about yeah so after school i played in the rugby union schoolboys tournament and the rugby league tournament the week after and uh, made the aussie schoolboys team for the union and uh, missed out on the aussie team for the league so yeah i was sort of it was up in the air whether to, to continue on with union or, or play league and um, i had a meeting with the waratahs pretty early after that that meeting and toured their facilities and had a few chats with them and then yeah as i said tigers weren't you know sort of too keen on me i mean there was an option to stay there but i wasn't one of their sort of main players to, to stay on and yeah, there's a few other teams reaching out and Souths was a keen team that, that wanted to reach out and uh, Madge was, as I said Madge was the coach at the time and obviously saw potential in me and um, there's a few other union players there in Angus Croydon and, and Cam Murray that, that they got from union so they were looking at that sort of type of player and um, yeah, I saw that they had real stability at the club and 
that's you know the star-studded roster as I said you know Sam Burgess Greg Inglis, Adam Reynolds, um, John Sutton. So, yeah, Madge Mad looked after me there and um, went over there and did a pre-season with their first grade team and um, played a bit of 20s in the Wales Cup and then um, debuted the following year. So, um, yeah, very great, thankful for it. What do you remember of your debut? I mean, how, how important is it to a young player? I'm not going to answer that question. It's incredibly important, of course. But, I mean, is it something that just remains fixed in your memory bank forever how you felt running out that first time to make your debut in an NRL team yeah it, it does definitely um I was only 19 at, at the time and um Adam Reynolds actually got injured in round one and um I sort of heard some rumors that they were looking to maybe put me in round two and yeah, as I said I didn't think it'd come that early but yeah, Anthony Seabold was our coach at the time and put me into his office and um told me I'd, I'd be starting halfback that week again we, you know, we were versing Penrith that Penrith on a on a Sunday Arvo and um, yeah, I was you know over the moon and a day I won't forget. You know, I had all my family and friends and, and cousins and everyone there and um, yeah, it's definitely a, a, a day that um, won't lose from your memory. That's for sure. All right. Well, two things. Firstly, uh, you mentioned Adam Reynolds. I always had the impression that you had a special relationship, friendship with him. Is that right? Yeah, yeah we were pretty close at, at South. Um, I was obviously a, a young half and um, he was more experienced there and um, yeah, we, we got along uh, really well and. Yeah, just learnt so much from him. Um, he's been at the top of the game for so long and won Premiership and uh, played at the, at the Pinnacle and New Zealand's Blues and stuff. So I, mean, I probably learnt the most about his kicking game and uh, different techniques he used when he kicks for goal and kicks in play and um, just how good he is with his kicking game. And yeah, just uh, you know, a good bloke and um, a good leader. And um, yeah, I learned a lot, a lot off him. Uh, could you ever see the day that he would have left South? Nah, no, I definitely couldn't, and um, I don't think he could have either. To be honest, yeah, I don't, I don't know sort of what's going on there, but yeah, he's definitely one player that I wouldn't thought would would leave that club. Okay, you spoke about position that you played. You played halfback in your debut. Yeah. Okay. What position did you play growing up predominantly? I played. Uh, I started when I was younger at fullback, and then um, transitioned to six in sort of the Harrow Mats age, so under 16s, and yeah, I've played six ever since then, and then. Um, it, it is my preferred position. It's where I feel most comfortable. I like I like sort of dictating play and getting my hands on the ball and setting up players and um, using my kicking game and defending in the front line. So, uh, but yeah, as I said at South at Lebanon, I, I played centre and South I debuted at seven and then when Rene came back, I was playing fourteen and came on literally at every position in the back line and um, it was just good to learn off you know key players there and um, get a feel for different positions and. How, can, how players can receive the ball, in, whether it be at centre or on the wing or at fullback, and um, just knowing what people like. So, uh, But yeah, back at Tigers now, I'm, I see myself as a six. I, I feel like I can play seven as well, but um, yeah, anywhere in the halves, I feel most comfortable. Yeah, when I um, need to get any advice uh, with respect to football, I try and reach out to people that know the game. Uh, very uh, good friends with Steve Blocker Roach, of course, and Paul Sirenan. And I have access to Andrew Johns and uh, Freddie Fittler, not to drop any names, but people that know the game, you know, people that, that have played at the highest level for many years and have coached as well. And so I reach out to them for their experience and the like. And I know Blocker is a huge fan of big bodied number sixes. You know, he just thinks that that's the position that calls for that. Well, you feel that, that, that build, don't you? Yeah, that, as I said, I like being a big body in the front line and um, I feel as though my running game's a key asset for me. And, uh, the more I can run the ball and um, attract defenders to me, it'll set up my game for the later in the game to set up the players around me. So, um, yeah, I feel as though I'll be a nice combo with Brooksy last year and when I'm back this year, we'll see what happens. OK, do you still see a differentiation between six and seven? Because a lot of people when I ask, do you, do you see a particular player as a six or a seven, they say, well, there's really no difference anymore. 
But I'm not, I'm not sure if that's right, though. Is there still a distinction between what the role of the six and the seven are? Yeah, I think there is. Um, there's definitely one voice out there, and um, that's the seven in terms of steering the ship around and um, organised players where they want, and that six sort of sits back and sort of looks after the edges a bit more, and the seven's the more hands-on player and um, dictating where he wants players to go and looks after the middle third, and the six is probably more the creative one and, um, as I said, stays on the edges and sits up the edges. And I like to see the seven look after the last tackle kick as well, which is what Adam Reynolds did so well at, at South. And, you know, let Cody sort of do all the magical plays and um, him just look after the last play option. So I think there is a differentiation in, in the two positions. But um, I feel for me personally, I can I can feel both positions. Um, I'm, I'm a pretty loud voice out there. And, um, as I said, like dictating play and I'm being a loud voice. So I'm, I'm happy with either or. Yeah, but you get your hand on on the ball a lot more, of course, at six or seven than you would inside the centres or yeah, whatever the case might yeah. be. And so, if you're really invested and want to be engaged in the game, that's the the role you play. Yeah. As I say, I can't I can't make any comment of where you may or may not play. These are the decisions, obviously, for Michael in due course. But for me, you know, you you sit comfortably in that six position, and then you played in the centres and you killed it there as well. So, I think if you've got natural ability, you can adapt very quickly. But at the end of the day. These are decisions taken by the, the uh, coaching staff, of course, in consultation with the players. Because I'm sure that the coaching staff consult with you, don't they? They sit down and, and discuss you know, your role and where you see it and, and how it can adapt to the team. Yeah, exactly right. Even last year when I, when I got moved to centre, um, Madge spoke to me and just wanted to get our best 17 players on the field no matter where they, no matter where they were playing. So, um, yeah, it's about playing your best 17, I feel. And uh, if players are versatile and can be effective in a different position, why not put them there? So... Yeah, it's the coach's, coach's call. Yeah, that's an interesting discussion as well. Do you pick the best 17 players and just fit mm. them into the squad or do you pick the best players in the individual positions? And I know speaking to Freddie Fittler over the yeah. years, that's the same with the Blues, for example. Yeah, he does last, it so well. Exactly. Mm. Well, last year you had um, Trebojevic and Latrell yeah. in the centres and they're both yeah. playing fullback, but how could you leave them out of the team? Yeah. So you just pick the best 17 players and work out a, a team from there. When you speak of the best 17, and we go back to where the West Tigers are today, suspension and injury has really taken its toll, hasn't it, in terms of the, field, the team? Sorry, that we could put on the field. Yeah, there's, there's players out that are you know, sort of definitely help our attack. Um, players like me and, and Jackson Hastings been suspended. I think he's back this week. And players like Tommy Talao um, sort of injured injured his ACL last year as well. And player like Sean Bloor, um, a young kid, got a taste of first grade the past few years and was looking so damaging um, as a ball, running ball player, uh, ball running in the preseason and. Yeah, to get injured in preseason doesn't help. AJ Kapoa, another outside back that, that's injured. So Stefano's off Stefano, at the moment. Yeah, definitely yeah. a lot of. Yeah, it doesn't help us. It's, it's not an no. excuse, but it definitely doesn't help. No, so I, I agree. It's a lot yeah. of quality personnel that they have yeah. on the sideline. I mean, it's you know, majority of those players would probably start in the seventeen. Yeah, exactly. You would think if they if they if they were fit. All right, well, this year you were named as part of our leadership group. Now your name's been thrown around a lot, as you know, as a future leader of the club itself. Um, for someone still relatively young, how old are you? About? 23. Okay, you're still a child. Uh, so at 23 years of age, to be identified as a potential leader, I think is a credit to you because it's qualities that people see in you moving forwards. Is leadership something important, something that you enjoy? Yeah, it's, it's something uh, I personally enjoy and um, I feel as I've, I've got leadership attributes um, in the way I present myself um, at training and off the field. And um, yeah, I like looking into the leadership space and, and like that aspect of life and um, yeah, I've learned off a lot of people, um, especially in the footy space, as I said, at, at Souths, that leadership group in, in Sam Burgess, Greg Inglis and John Sutton, who were three of the best, um, I feel, and yeah, especially Sam Burgess. He, I was pretty close with him at Souths as well, and um, he taught me a lot <coughs> about leadership and um, what to do, what to say, when to say it. And um, yeah, and even at Tigers, a player like Robbie Farrer and Benji Marshall, two players I looked up to and um, big leaders of this club. So 
Um, I've definitely had some some very good mentors to learn off, and um, I've, I'm obviously different to them and bring my own leadership skills that that I feel like can contribute to the club. And um, yeah, I definitely like like the leadership space. Yeah, well, look, leadership—the word itself imports, of course, the, the you know the, the the word lead, and you've got to lead, and you can lead in many different ways. And I've I've been a leader of this firm now for quite some time, and it's something that I really enjoy. Um, but you either lead by example, for example, or you lead by your words or a combination of the two. And I've always found that leading by example, you know, is, is, is something that people look up to, that if you're prepared to put the hard yards in, if you're prepared to do it, then people say, fair enough, and, then, and they follow. And in relation to your role, your you know, future aspirations and the like, I think, as I say, people, the, and I know from the players, have identified that your passion and commitment to the game, to the club itself, uh, comes through. And they readily see that, and I think that that inspires them and, and, and others. This year, though, uh, Michael went in a different direction as opposed to appointing a captain, appointed a leadership group. How is that working from your observation? Yeah, it's, it's working well. Um, sort of something we, we sort of got used to um, to start the season and um, I think the, boy, the all five of us sort of have a, a fair idea of how, how it works now and um, we do all share the role and uh, bounce ideas off each other and um, take pressure off each other as well. So uh, we, we look after each other and we have honest conversations after review every week and um, nail down sort of key components that we want to focus on leading into that game and uh, Madge picks one skipper for, for that weekend and to lead the boys out and um, yeah it's, it's working well at the moment and um, it's obviously not going to be perfect but um, we're getting used to it. When you say honest conversations I've been lucky enough to be privy to some of those of course in the room when they're doing you know review of the game on the video etc. Is it uncomfortable though for like part of the leadership group to have to then address that and address players and say, well, look, what you've done here is wrong? Or are people you think generally mature enough and understand enough and professional enough to uh, accept that you know that this is a constructive criticism? Is it, is it difficult to be that person? Yeah, it, it is, but you know it, it also comes with a role. So um, that's why the players have picked us because they they respect our opinions and um, they feel as though we we have uh, we have some. You know, solid knowledge of the game and, and what to say, when to say it, and yeah, honest conversations are, are, are tough to have, especially with your friends um, in the team, and um, just being truthful with them. So, um, yeah, it's something I've, I've struggled with in the past, but I've, as, as the years have gone on, I've um, gotten better with it. And um, yeah, as I said, we, we review the games very thoroughly in, in our review sessions and watch video and um, point stuff out that um, can make players feel uncomfortable. But it's the conversations we have to have, especially in these. Um, times of adversity, it, it brings teams together and if we're not honest in the review, it's just going to keep going in a circle. So we're nitpicking at that stuff that we have to uh, pick up, especially in effort areas. And um, yeah, it's, it's part of our role and, and it's what we do. Well, I think it also says a lot about the player who's receiving that criticism as to how they respond to it. If they take the criticism on board and say, look, fair enough, I understand that, I can improve in these areas, and they try and improve, it's to their credit. Mm. But if someone wants to kick stones, for example, or drop their shoulders, well, that, that reflects on them, doesn't it, as well? Yeah, well? Because everyone's trying to just do the, the best by the club. Yeah, well, one, one of our values this year is team first, and we spoke about um, everyone's sort of team first until the team's picked. And if you're not in the 17, you, you, you can sit there and kick stones, or you can mm. train hard and, and try and get the players better that are, that are playing that weekend. And... Um, yeah, credit to the boys. They've all been um, really team first this year, and no one's kicked stones, no one's carrying their feet, and angry. Everyone wants the club to succeed. It hasn't had success for you know almost a decade now. So um, yeah, everyone's team first and wants the club to be better. Good, glad to hear it because you've obviously had you've had a lot of those conversations with Nofaluma after a game. I'm just wondering how he would. <laughs> He's different. <laughs> we have a different combo with him. I can I can only imagine what yeah. that's like. Uh, anyways, all right. Now, in terms of contributing to the team, you took on the goal-kicking duties last mm. year, right? 
And I don't think we can overstate how important the goal kicking is to a club or a team uh, in this in this game. Um, goal kicking accuracy now is probably higher than it's ever been. I mean, a lot of these boys are kicking well into the 80 and 90% yeah. sort of range. I mean, you can easily win or lose games on the back of goal kicking, and I think we've seen that. Were you a goal kicker in your junior teams? Yeah, I've always been a goal kicker. Um, I, I learned a lot in rugby union. They're pretty, um, they're obviously a three points of conversion in, in rugby union, and um, it's pretty important in that aspect. And you know, I learned a lot kicking for rugby union, and, and um, that helped me kick for my rugby league teams and yeah I've, I've always been a fair goal kicker and yeah when I came Madge sort of came and spoke to me early about being a goal kicker for the club it's something they sort of lacked with for the past few years and yeah I, th I thought last year was my most consistent year with the boot I was at about 84% which is my highest percentage and yeah the best kick goal kickers are sort of 85% and above so um, as I said that's why I was sort of trying to kick a bit earlier this year and trying to get some reps in because mm -hmm. the more reps you do the the more you see the ball go through the post, the more it happens in the game. So um, something I'm working out. And it, yeah, it's definitely important when your team's going up by six, not four. It, it does help a lot. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm told here that you're in the top five in terms of kicking accuracy in 2021. Well, that's something that's something yeah. to be proud of and to improve upon. Yeah, as I said, it was, it was something I worked on um, last year, and I've always been a fair goal kicker. But we've got Daryl Halligan at the club helping us out and giving me some tips. So yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully get better this year. Is there a similarity in your kicking style to say Adam Reynolds? Do you see anything there? Uh, yes and no, not really. Yeah. I, I come a bit uh, more side on because I'm, I'm come from a soccer background, so um, I sort of kicked the ball a bit differently to a few of the other players. But um, yeah, he, he gave me some some tips, mm. um, definitely. Okay. Now apparently there was a viral video. I'm saying apparently because I did see it, but I just want to avoid that. Some fellow on the sideline screaming out some advice <laughs> to you. Now, do you remember that? Something about you know compensate or something because you hadn't lined the ball up correctly and you hadn't you, you didn't acknowledge him whatsoever until you kicked it. Then you turned around, and gave a little wry smile. I mean, do you sit there and listen to the crowd, take advice in as to where you should be positioning the ball or allowing for the wind or whatever the case might be? You can say you block it out, but when you're, when you're standing that close to the soil and you've got you know, sort of fans heckling, heckling you and screaming at the top of their lungs, it's, it's hard to block out. But, yeah, you do have to block out. Sometimes fans say a, f a few funny comments and um, you, you like to give them a little smile after you get it. But, um, yeah, it's part of the sport. You, I've got my process that I go through that uh, make sure I'm 100% I'm ready for the kick and nothing will... Uh, distract me from that but um, yeah it's all part of the game and uh, a bit of fun for the fans well a bit of fun or funny comments as you say fair enough but there can be instances of course where people cross the line and there's been instances in other sports and other codes for example mm. have you have have had any instances where you think a fan may have crossed the line in relation to what they say or the way they behave at a game no, not really. It's more probably for my siblings and my parents who sit in the grandstand and uh, my brother's <laughs> pretty passionate. He can get fired up if, if people start talking about me. And um, yeah, as I said, people fans probably don't know that they're related to you. And if they say something in the crowd about you, they, you know, they obviously can cause yeah, people to get fired up. But um, no, no, nothing's been bad um, said about me. So yeah, that's, um, that's hopefully it stays that way. Yeah, that's fair enough too. Look, I don't mind if fans scream out criticism of you as a player yeah. if you make a mistake, whatever the case might be. But when it becomes personal, mm. though, they cross a line. Yeah, exactly. they, they, they really do cross a line. And at the moment, of course, the NRL is dealing with a, an allegation of a homophobic slur mm. by a player during the course of a game. They, these are very uncomfortable yeah. you know, conversations that the NRL has to deal with. It's something they would prefer not to, of course. And that's on the paddock, let alone off the paddock. So, mm. you know, we've got to move away from that sort of stuff. And as I say, and I know that... Um, 
uh, when I was sponsoring the Swans at the time, Adam Goods had uh, a lot of drama. Yeah, some sections, copped yeah, mm. copped it a lot from some sections of the crowd or whatever. It's just de- it, mm. it really is terrible to watch. So, I think generally speaking, I think the majority of people turn up and they're passionate fans. Um, you know, uh, applaud your team, criticise the others and whatnot, but just don't cross that line yeah. and make it personal. I think once the vitriol becomes personal, it crosses the line. Now you're with the West Tigers, of course, and I take a lot of the credit for bringing you to the club. That was it. Must have been that breakfast with you and your father, Paul, <laughs> down, at, down at Strathville that we had. I think that's right, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. You, you left there very impressed and said, Dad, I've got to, I've got to come to this club no matter what. I've got to get... <laughs> Something along those lines. Something along those lines. Or very heated discussions in the car with Sam Ayew driving <laughs> I'm not sure what it was, but I've, either way, anyway, you came across and we were very happy when you did. Because I, I, th- I think you really add to the club in, on a number of different levels and really excited to see where your career um, goes. But it's not just football, of course, at the moment that occupies your attention. You're doing a bit in the media. Yeah, I've been uh, doing a bit with SEN on the radio um, lately. I, lo- I like to... Um, it's just good practice for me, I feel. It um, gets me speaking more openly, honestly, and um, I like talking about footy. So, um, yeah, I'm on a few of their shows and was on the broadcast team for, for one of the games back a few weeks ago. And, um, yeah, as I said, it helps me speak up and um, do with the media more and um, learn a few tricks off them as well about what to say and when to say. So... Um, yeah, always open to, to learning more and um, taking opportunities as they come. Well, uh, do you think getting that job was any coincidence given that Bryden's lawyers are, of course, the major sponsor of SEN Radio yeah, well, and of the... Do you think that played any factor in... We'll have the, to look into that, do you, think, <laughs> do, you think, do you think the principal may have made a call to give the young kid a start? No, on? I don't think so. I think it was all on me, to be honest. No, it was. It was. I, yeah, I would never do anything. I would never cross that line. And I couldn't have been happy because we have a relationship with SEN, of course, yeah. who sponsors in the, the morning program with... Um, uh, Andrew and, and Greg Alexander, and uh, it, it's a great organisation, yeah. great organisation, and they're only going from strength to strength. Mm. The quality of their lineup is is phenomenal. The people that they've got on, yeah, they've got some, you know, Matty Johns and absolutely and Camp and Cameron Smith, yep, and yep. Andrew Johns as well. So yeah, um, so uh, yeah, uh, Vossi, Greg Vossi Alexander, Brandy. Matt White, whatever, Jimmy Smith in the afternoons, yeah, uh, Katie Brown, Timmy Manor, whatever. Mm. So I think there's a huge potential yeah. there, and plus they also really they they do socialise really really well. They mm. do great lunches and great things. So uh, hopefully we'll see at the next one all right so as i said we are here on the 12th of april a bit despondent today of course because of the result on the weekend but where where are we heading as a club from your perspective not necessarily as a player remove yourself as a contracted player and sitting outside do you like what you see yeah yeah i mean the right steps have been put in place Uh, we we made a lot of changes um, last year and uh, as i said brought in two new assistant coaches we've got nathan kalis doing our defense who's come from the rooster system so Roosters have been one of the you know, best defending teams for the past 10 years, so um, he brings a lot of advice and structures from, from them and um, helps them with us. And um, Ben Gardner's doing our attack, who's another thorough coach and um, really loves the game and, and has a good knowledge for the game. So, um, yeah, the, the club has definitely put places in that are, that are taking us forward. And although results-wise at the moment we're not um, having the success we want yet, it, it is um, a working process and yeah, new, new combos, new people in. Um, it's, it takes a while to get used to and um, I feel as though with the roster we've got now and um, players we're recruiting for 2023 onwards, we've made some you know, really good signings for, for them as well. So um, yeah, the club's definitely heading upwards, I feel. All right. Uh, have you had much to do with Tim Sheens? Uh, yes and no. I'm, he's, he's sort of down and watching most of our field sessions and um, I have a chat to him um, on the side every now and then. You, you can get caught talking to him for, for a fair bit of time. He, he does love a chat and knows his footy. So That's um, a very polite way of putting it, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> he, 
he can talk. So, but yeah, he knows his footy. He, he won a premiership here, so he loves the club and knows what the su- success looks like. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely going to yeah, be a boost for us. Yeah, I did not know uh, Tim before he joined the club. Um, last year, I met him over Zoom when he was in England. Uh, we spoke quite often. Uh, we speak quite often now and spend a bit of time with him. Particularly, he, he ventures out to all the you know the junior games yeah. in the week, and I try to get out uh, to as many games as I possibly can. Um, but I, you know, it's easy to fall in awe of the man, given his gravitas and his seniority and what he's achieved. But also, he's just his knowledge and his his understanding of the game. And I've probably learned a lot from him in the last few months. But his memory, you know, he'll, he'll yeah. pluck a game out of 1968 or 1969 or whatever and tell you what the result was or who he was playing against. I don't know how they can do that. It's Crazy. beyond me. It's, yeah, it's beyond me. Crazy. Uh, anyways, and of course, uh, finally, the centre of excellence. Yeah. You've had should, a walkthrough? Yeah, it looks, looks outstanding. Um, yeah, great facility and um, yeah, we can all be based there and um, bring all the juniors yeah, through there and um, yeah, top, top of the line of facility and hopefully get, in, get into it the next month or so. Yep. Uh, well, I would hope so. The, the rain's been yeah, obviously a, a problem for us, but they're, they're a bit delayed at the moment, but uh, it's, it's within sight now of, of finishing. Um, one other issue that uh, generates a lot of attention for the West Tigers is, of course, a home ground. Okay. Now, we won't necessarily put you to committing to a particular home ground, but we'll just say, use the, the phrase home ground um, generically. And it's something that the club is working actively towards. How important do you think it is finding a home ground? And, and when I refer to the, that, put it in context, we've got uh, Homebush, Combank at Parramatta, Leichhardt, Campbelltown. We'll be playing at, I think, Magic Round. I'm not sure if Magic Round's our home game this yeah. year or not yet. And then you've got a game at Tamworth. So we do, we do move around mm. quite a bit. Then you look at teams like Parramatta, for example, who've created a fortress out there at Combank. Penrith. Penrith, and they're going to get the new stadium. Sharks. That's right, the Sharks, for example. Manly, you know. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle Knights, the Broncos, um, Titans, we've all got this home ground, this home ground advantage. How real is that home ground advantage creating that sort of fortress? Yeah, I, th- I think it's really real. Um, yeah, I'm a big believer that that, that that does give teams an edge when um, yeah the fans know where, where our home ground is and we can make it turn into a fortress. But um, yeah, for, for me personally, I, lo- I like playing at Leichhardt, but that's just from a player perspective. I know sort of financially and um, looking after sponsors and stuff, it, it doesn't really... Um, facilitate for them so um, yeah selfishly as a player perspective I'd like to just have Leichhardt in Campbelltown because we are based in Campbelltown as well as our, as our two home grounds but um, yeah taking my footy hat off I know that uh, we have to cater for sponsors and stuff and, and places like Combank and, and uh, Homebush are obviously very good in, in that department but um, yeah if down the future we can sort of nail it down to one or two it will definitely help us a lot I feel. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think generally the club does agree with you as well. That's something that um, we're spending a lot mm. of time on at the moment moving forward. And I'm a firm believer in it. As I say, I'm not speaking on behalf of the board as a whole as yet, but uh, I think it was in 2019, I think we played our first 11 rounds at nine different ovals or something. Yeah, well, you crazy. just, yeah, you can't establish a home yeah, base exactly. or some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of attachment to an area if you're moving around that often. Uh, Adam, it's been an incredible joy for me to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, thank you very much for your time. And I, I know that you're very busy these days just sitting around not doing much. So, exactly um, right. no, no, no. So I really appreciate your your time and I appreciate the club making you available to us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, good luck with the rehab and hopefully we'll see you out there very, very soon. Thank you. Uh, look, th- thanks to um, Adam for contributing today. It's been a lot of fun for me. Uh, thank you to all for listening. Of course, we'll have uh, more episodes of Law Pod uh, with you shortly. Uh, if you'd like to um, hear any particular subject matter, please don't hesitate in emailing us directly at lawpod at bridens.com.au. And do not forget to 
follow us on all social media platforms, whether they be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, all of the Adam Dewey followers, of course, can jump over and, and follow us as well. You'd be up to a million now by now, wouldn't you? Or close. Close to a million? Excellent. Is there a competition amongst players? Do players no. know do players know how many followers other no. players have? Probably a player like Not for Luma does, but no no one. Oh, he'd, he'd be <laughs> yeah, but eighty percent of his followers would be be bots, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> he'd just he'd just pay for them. I think so. Because that, that feeds into his sponsorship deals. I've got so many followers, <laughs> it ups the ante. All right, well listen, thank you very much again. Thank you all for listening and uh, we'll be with you again in the very near future. It's bye for me. Mm-hmm.